What's going on, everybody? My name is Christian Gujanov, and I want to welcome you to Peak Performance Principles. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the principles in order to achieve and sustain peak performance. So if you want to get better, if you want to improve your performance, you're in the right place. Let's get started. What's going on, everybody? This is Christian Gujanov with another episode of Peak Performance Principles. Welcome to Principle 23. In this episode, we're gonna kinda take some of the stuff I talked about in our previous episode. I talked about the two most important words when it comes to mental training in our previous episode, so I wanna expound a little bit on that, right? So I had a lot of people that kinda give me some feedback that was like, dude, this is awesome. like, I, I get it, like these two words that I talked about were being deliberate and being consistent. So deliberate, we talked about being doing things on purpose. Consistency was all about time, right? Do it, doing this, doing this over a longer period of time, right? A lot of people will start some sort of action and they'll do it a couple of times and they'll, they'll, they'll drop it, all right? So when it, when it comes to mental training, that happens a lot. Probably ninety percent of clients that I have have done some sort of mental training previously, and then they stop doing it, and then now they're like, "Why isn't it working?" So a lot of times it's consistency that falters. So we're gonna. So one one of the things that I I got asked a lot was. What should I be deliberate in? What should I be consistent? Okay, cool, I get it. Mental training is gonna help me, but what should I be doing deliberately? What should I be consistent with? What techniques should I be doing, right? So today I wanna focus on the two techniques that I think are the most effective when, and that you should be implementing in, in your mental training regimen. Just like a physical training regimen, it's important that you do these things consistently. It's important that you have rest days, things like that, right? Whatever your physical training regimen is, we all know it's important to work out for our physical body, for our cognitive health, we all know that it's important to work out. However, mental training is incredibly important as well. I think it's just as important. Now, this isn't just me being the sports psychology professional talking about mental training. Yes, obviously, I'm gonna think it's important, but a lot of what I'm gonna talk about today is backed by research. So to me, when I look at techniques, when it comes to anything, if it makes sense in one field of study, I want it to make, I want to, I want to have another field of study that backs that up. So for example, there's sports psychology research. There's a lot of techniques that we talk about when it comes to sports psychology. There's a, there's a bunch of textbooks in pursuit of excellence, uh, sports psychology handbook. There's so many techniques. There's hundreds of techniques when it comes to sports psychology. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to look at, okay, what's another field of study that I respect that I think uh, the, the, the masses respect? And what's the carry, what, what's, the, what's the similarities between sports psychology and this other study, right? So to me, neuroscience is that field of study that I compare everything else to. Neuroscience has been around for a long time as well, but most recently with technological advances, neuroscience research has skyrocketed. So what I did is what I wanted to do is I wanted to look at what are the sports psychology researched techniques and what research has been done to back those techniques up when it comes to neuroscience. Now there was a landmark study that was done in 2011 that, that answers pretty much this question for me when I first started researching it. This study was done by three individuals, Helene Slagder, Richard Davidson and Antoine Lutz. It's called Mental Training as a Tool in the Neuroscientific Study of Brain and Cognitive Plasticity. Now those are some big words, so we'll break those, some of those things down. Neuroscientific, obviously, neuroscience, that's the field of, of neuroscience. What they did is they studied mental training techniques, so they, they looked at what mental training techniques are gonna have the most benefit in improving 
brain and cognitive plasticity, which is essentially your brain developing and evolving and getting better and smarter and, and faster. So neuroplasticity is this, is this study of your brain being able to shift and change and, and, and get better and improve. A lot of this happens when you're younger. You, you see, my, my, my daughter is, she's just turned one, she's walking and, she's, and you can just see the, the, you can almost see the cognitive development happening when she stands up and she's like, the spatial reasoning, you can see how she's understanding how her legs move and how it's fascinating watching a baby understand how to figure out how to walk. But once you learn how to walk, you don't really think about it much, right? So you, you, you just kind of are able to do it. So that's neuroplasticity in a very small micro, microcaustic effect, right? So learning how to walk, it's a big, big thing when you're, a, when you're a baby, then you figure it out, your brain figures it out, and then boom, you can just act. That's neuroplasticity at work. Your brain is evolving, figuring things out. Once it figures it out, then boom, you just go with it. And, you, and, and, and you've created a neural pathway, and now that neural pathway just gets myelinated and gets faster and stronger the more you do that action. So when it comes to mental training, what are those actions that we should be doing that are gonna give us the most bang for our buck, right? What are, those, what are those techniques that we should be doing? So I'm gonna tell you two techniques that are backed by sports psychology and are backed by neuro, neuroscience. So the first one, let's jump into the first one. The, the way that I'm gonna kinda of share these with you is I'm gonna tell you about the, I'm gonna tell you about the, the, the skill, the, the technique, and I'll give you kinda of some of the flavor of the research as well as how you can apply it into your day-to-day, -day, right? So the first technique we're gonna talk about is in the research, they call it imagery. Visualization is uh, that's the common. Those are the common language that you'll hear. So, imagery and visualization is the same thing. In my practice, I call it visualization. So, the clients that are listening, that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about visualization. Some people call it imagery. Same thing. So, when we talk about visualization, this has been found to be one of the most foundational and impactful sports psychology techniques that anyone that's in sports psychology will tell you. Yes, visualization is probably the most effective technique when it comes to improving performance. In neuroscience though, it's been backed up extensively. In this research, I'm gonna quote some kind of things here. It says, research has convincingly shown that mental training using imagery, or visualization, can produce changes in brain structure and function that are associated with improved subsequent performance of a motor skill. So essentially, if this is a skill or a performance that you will be doing often, that you will have to do a lot, visualization slash imagery is going to be extremely effective. The research is pretty unanimous that says, if you visualize, you will be better in your motor performance, your physical performance, right? So let's talk a little bit more about this, right? There's a model that exists that I think is gonna be able that you can apply into your day-to-day -day as, you, as you utilize visualization. And this is called the PETLEP model, P-E-T-T-L-E-P. So I'm gonna go over each of these letters, an acronym, it's an acronym. So the first P is for physical. This is essentially the stance and the implements that you're going to use. Like what physical elements are there going to be in your performance, right? So this changes between if you're an athlete, the physical stance is gonna be more of an athletic. You're gonna be utilizing more of a physical task. Whereas if you are a teacher, it's gonna be more of a cognitive task, right? So the physical, implements that you're gonna be using are gonna be, if you're an athlete, are gonna be more um, physical, whereas if you're taking a test or if you're a teacher, if you're a student, it might be more of a cognitive element, right? So that's the physical component that we're talking about. The next thing is environment. When you are visualizing, it's incredibly important that you have a detailed idea of the environment that you will be in. If you're an athlete, what stadium are you gonna be in? What, what's the gym look like? 
What's your locker room look like? What are you wearing? What, what, what shoes do you have on, right? So the environment that you're, that you're in is, in is incredibly important to understand. If you're a, if you're a student, a teacher, uh, if you're a business owner, what's the environment that you're gonna be performing in? So again, when we're visualizing, we are taking a very specific performance and these steps that we're going over right now are gonna be able to help you implement an effective visualization practice. So the first one, physical, right? So what, what the task that you're doing, is it gonna be more of a cognitive task? Is it gonna be more of a physical task? The implements that are, you're going to be using, right? The next thing is environment. What's it look like? What does the classroom look like? What does the field look like? Wherever you are, what's the environment look like? And get as much detail as possible. The smell, the look, what, what you see, what you feel. Use all of the senses when you're describing the environment. When you, in your mind, as you see the environment, use all of your senses. The next thing is task. This is a very specific task that you will be performing that you will be visualizing. So if that task is throwing a football 10 yards, a 10 yard out, if that's shooting a three, if that's taking a test, if that's teaching a class, whatever the task is, you want it to be very specific and you want it to be very detailed. So you will be seeing yourself performing this task over and over and over again. Now the next thing is timing. This is still one of the, to, to me, this is probably the most crucial element when it comes to visualization. Timing is so important. The, the very, whenever I talk about visualization, the immediate question I get is, okay, well, how long should I do it? I think that's a very ineffective type of question. How long you should do it is how long you want it, you want to, you want, you can have, you can do it effectively essentially. So if you can have effective visualization for two minutes, that is much more effective than visualizing randomly for 10 minutes. I would much rather have you visualize effectively for two minutes than do 10 minutes of sporadic effectiveness. So timing, that's one part of it is how long you're actually doing it. But another key element when it comes to timing is the, the speed that you're seeing yourself in your visualization. Ideally, you're seeing yourself perform in real time or speed of sport. You're seeing yourself perform at the speed that you would physically be performing. In the beginning, that might be difficult. So I recommend in the beginning, slow it down and see yourself maybe kicking the ball or passing the puck, shooting the shot, teaching in a little bit maybe a slower slower pace, like a half speed or something like that, so that you can really get comfortable in the environment. You can really be able to see the task that you're doing and you're able to, to then progressively work your way up to, to playing in real time and, and visualizing yourself in real time. The next thing is learning. Now this is, a, this is the idea that when you are visualizing, the goal of it is that you are learning. You are updating your mental process and you are continuously learning something new as you are visualizing. One thing that I think is interesting when I visualized, uh, one thing that I had done when I, I first got this inside sales job I was selling, so people would call in inbound calls, people would call in for internet service and I would help them set up internet service in more, more rural areas. When, and one of the things I started doing that was incredibly impactful for me was I, I would visualize myself taking calls uh, closing sales outside of work, right? So I would take some time and I would visualize myself talking on the phone. I would visualize myself closing sales, seeing the, the computer in front of me, typing in customers' names and seeing myself. What ended up happening from this is I would visualize myself and a phrase would come to my mind and I'd be like, oh, that's nice, I like that. That sounds really good in the beginning. Or maybe if they're having this objection, maybe I can say this here. So as I was visualizing, I was learning. I was progressively getting better and better. And I think that visualization practice was, was by far the most effective 
strategy that I did to improve and get promoted and grow within that company was I would visualize myself performing. The second to last thing in this model, in this petlet model, is the E, which is emotion. It's incredibly important that you use realistic emotion when you're visualizing. Don't, if, you've, if, there, if you're visualizing, if let's say you have a hard time performing in a late game situation, don't shy away from that emotion, that anxiety, that, that pressure that you feel. Feel it in your visualization as well. The more experience you have visualizing and seeing yourself perform, the more effective you will be. So the more you see it, the less emotion will impact it. The more you see yourself performing at a high level, the less emotional you will be when you, when you physically have to perform at that same level. The last thing is perspective. This is essentially not, not, not necessarily pers the perspective that, you, that some people kind of think about. The perspective we're talking about here is almost the POV, right? The, the, point, of, the point of view, right? So where are you seeing yourself? Uh, there's two really common ones. The first one is almost like the camera is in your eye. So, so you're recording, you're seeing yourself as if you are physically doing the action from your perspective, from first person. The other idea, the other thing that happens a lot is you see yourself from like a, like a third party perspective, right? You're almost like sitting in the stands, seeing yourself perform. So to me, I think the most effective one is when you're able to do it first person. That's not to say the third person is bad or ineffective. Uh, in the beginning, commonly you, you'll get people that will keep kind of split. Some people will immediately see first person, other people will see third person. To me, I think it's, it's, it's great to work your way into seeing 100% of your visualization from a first person perspective and actually you going through it. Now, there are some benefits to seeing it in third persons. For example, if you are uh, coming back from, if you're rehabbing and you're coming back and your form is a little bit off, like if you're, uh, I work with a baseball player, a few baseball players are coming back from injuries and one of like the pitchers, you know, will will kind of all have them visualize themselves looking at themselves throwing from the mound, and, and then we'll pause the visualization as they're visualizing right as about as they release. Okay, where are your hips? Where's your feet? Where's your foot pointing? Where are your toes pointing? Where's your arm? In your visualization, they're, they're telling me where their body is in relation to the pitch. So. For hitters, it's kind of the same thing, right? The, the, the swing, so pause as you're visualizing. Okay, now swing, pause. And then we look at it from a third person. We almost pull the lens back and we can, they can as their eyes are closed, I have them look at like a 360 view of their, of their stance. Or your knee, is your, is your back knee down? Where are your wrists? Where are your arms in position to it? Where's your eyes? Where's your head, your chest? Uh, we have them look at all these different things, right? So perspective is really important. There is a lot of value in seeing it from third person. However, I think first person is gonna be the most effective because that's how you're actually going to perform. So again, this was kind of a deeper dive into this, into this first skill, into this first technique, and that, that is visualization. This PETLEP model, P-E-T-T-L-E-P, -E -E this is one of the most effective ways to be able to improve your visualization. Now, within both sports psychology and neuroscience, mental training, using visualization as a tool to improve your mental performance has an extensive amount of research that's been done. There's been dozens of studies that have been done to show its effectiveness. One of the things I'll mention, there's a quote from this study that says, imagery is clearly the most effective mental training technique that improves motor tasks. Mental training using motor imagery heavily depends on cognitive aspects of action control, such as motor planning, as well as working memory to transform, maintain, and inspect information about a motor act. Mental training using imagery heavily depends on cognitive aspects of, it, of action control. Action control is essentially your ability to perform an action. 
your ability to consistently be able to, to see yourself performing that action. Motor planning is telling your body where it's supposed to be before it needs to be there, right? So if you imagine swinging a baseball, right? Your brain and your body are trying to communicate within split second. So if you, if, if you have effective motor planning, your, your mind is essentially able to see the pitch faster. So the more you visualize seeing a certain type of pitch, the faster that motor planning will be. And obviously your working memory, which is the, the memory that you use if you see this pitch over and over and over again, it's gonna improve your working memory so that you will be able to perform at a much, much higher level. So those are the visualization from a neuroscience perspective. It improves action control, it improves motor planning, and it improves working memory from a neuroscience perspective. That's how visualization can help. So with visualization, with imagery, from a neuroscience perspective, you will be able to, to control the action. You'll be able to, to, to have more effective planning of where your body needs to be before it needs to be there and you'll be able to remember and have the have a, have a more effective working memory of the tasks that you're doing because you've seen them over and over and over again now i would recommend imp implementing visualization on a daily basis one thing that i'll tell you is i'm never going to tell you to do it for 10 minutes or do it for 20 minutes and be done do it for as long as you feel like is effective however i do think it's important to have a consistent time of day that you do it so for example, I have some clients that will do it after they're done training, after they're, after they're done with their physical training, before they close out the day, they'll visualize. They'll see themselves all the work that they did and, and they'll see themselves taking the work that they did that day and then seeing themselves performing in their sport with all of the work that they just did, right? So it kind of almost like translates of everything, all the training they did that day and they can see themselves, because of the training I did, I'm gonna get better, and now I'm seeing myself get better. It really boosts motivation for the next training session. It really helps them almost like brain dump all of the stuff that they've done and be able to process all that information. I think it's incredibly effective to visualize, to begin visualizing on a consistent basis. So again, with the previous episode, we talked about being deliberate and being consistent. Being deliberate when it comes to visualization is how long are you able to do it effectively? So see yourself performing the task and feel the emotion, see yourself progressing, see yourself performing at the speed of sport. That's how you know you're doing it deliberately. And consistency is just do it every single day. It doesn't need to be for, you don't need to plan 30 minutes of your day about the, around visualization. Just however long you have, make it effective. So be deliberate and be consistent with visualization. The last thing I'll talk about today is this second technique, which is meditation. Now, I think meditation has been talked about a lot. However, there's a reason it's been talked about a lot. And I want you to think about why has visualization been talked about so much by so many different people. It's because it works. And for some reason, people still don't do it. So hopefully, I'm gonna share a few things about my, my, kind of my thoughts about meditation and give you kind of a few strategies. There's two different types of, of meditation that are effective when it comes to performance enhancement. But when it comes to meditation, there's a reason it's talked about so much. It's because it works. Meditation is not sitting cross-legged and it's not just sitting cross-legged with your arms out and, and humming. That's, you know, that there's a certain type of meditation that that consists of. But when it comes to performance, there's two types of meditation I wanna talk about. The first one is called focused attention, which pretty much entails vo voluntarily focusing 
your attention on a chosen object for a certain amount of time. Now this is essentially visualizing an image or kind of like a, a breath. So this is, so when you're focused attention, you are paying close attention, you are funneling your spotlight on a certain object or your breath. So for example, you'll see sometimes when people are like daydreaming or so they're just like staring off into space, that's kind of what this looks like in the real world, right? So, so sometimes this will be just like kind of staring off into space, right? Uh, one thing that I think is incredibly effective is finding a place or something that you could look at that's very singular, right? So there's some, some people that have a picture on their, in their house. Uh, for me, I have a picture um, in my room that, can, that is two men sitting over a small fire. And it's very simple. There's not much color in it. And for me, I, I can just stare at that painting. I can stare at that image. And I essentially get into a meditative state when I just stare at it. It's very simple, but I'm able to focus my attention on the fire, for example. And I just stare at the fire for as long as I can. What that does on from a mental level is it helps you work on the focused attention part of your mind. So you're able to, to increase your visual acuity you're able to focus on a single task. Now you can imagine if you're an athlete and you can sh and you can focus, you can improve your attentional focus on a single object. If you're a baseball player, seeing the ball is an incredible meditation. This type of meditation can be incredibly effective if you're, a, if you're wanting to improve your batting. Um, if you are a basketball player focusing your attention while shooting a free throw, this could, if, you, if you're struggling with free throws, this could be a very helpful type of meditation where you just find an object and you just stare at that object. Um, the second type of meditation is called open monitoring. This is essentially paying attention to the moment that you're in without focusing on any particular object. Um, I typically like to do this one when I don't necessarily have a very specific performance I'm preparing for, but just as um, a kind of a neutral um, bringing yourself back to homeostasis the kind of being coming back to north to add to, to 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 your comfortable pace so this is i think is incredibly effective when you have had a very emotional experience or you've had maybe a rough game uh, it's incredible that this can be this one this type of meditation can be incredibly helpful essentially what you're doing is you are being, getting into a comfortable position and you're not necessarily monitoring anything you're just acknowledging the moment that you're in. And for me, I like to describe this moment. So I could be sitting in a chair, feeling frustrated because this happened. And then understanding that in this moment, whatever caused my frustration is not available unless I make it available. So for example, if I had a rough game, if I, let's say, let's say I shot four for 12 and eight turnovers, terrible game I'm frustrated open meta open monitoring type of meditation can help me calm myself down bring myself back to homeostasis and be realistic about the impact that I'm going to allow this terrible performance to have on this moment and the next moment I think open monitoring meditation is ex extremely effective for athletes for salespeople, for, for anyone that is performing in an environment where rejection occurs or failure may happen consistently. You're not gonna win every game. You're not gonna shoot 100% every time. You're not gonna bat four for four every game. And when you are feeling that frustration, open monitoring meditation can be incredibly helpful to 
pinpoint what elements of this bad performance or this poor performance will I allow to impact this moment and the next moment and the moment after that. What it does for me is it helps me realize that there is very little that I'm going to allow this bad performance to impact in my life right now. It's almost like like flushing down all the negativity. You flush it away, you let it go, and whatever's left, the one or two main things that are left are very important to then visualize. So to me, the goal of open monitoring meditation is to let go of the previous negativity, is to let go of all the, all the other bad things that have happened. Let go of those and see what stays because there is an important lesson that comes from failure. There are times that if you fail, you, lo- you and you use open monetary meditation, you're able to just identify the factors that caused it. What that does is it helps you identify, you know what, I strike out, I struck out every single time on a slow, on a, on a, on a non-fastball pitch, right? Like a slow curveball. I struck out every time. Or if you're a basketball player, you know what? I was playing way out of my, I was playing way too fast. I need to slow down when I'm playing. I need to, I need to slow it down a little bit. I was, I was running too fast and the, I would dribble and the ball would hit my shoe and it would go out of bounds. So what happens with open monitoring meditation is that you are much more effective in understanding the factors that caused you to fail, the true factors, and then you're, then I would recommend once you've identified those things, that's your visualization practice for the next couple of days, is visualizing yourself performing, slowing down the game, taking a deep breath at a free throw line, um, seeing curveballs or seeing slower pitch, off-speed pitches, seeing, see, visualizing yourself hitting those pitches, right? So these two things, these two techniques that we talked about, when it comes to meditation, the two types of meditations that we talked about, the first is focused attention, the second is open monitoring. Focused attention, again, your eyes are typically open and you're focusing all of your attention on a single object. Open monitoring, you are essentially paying attention to the experience that you had previously and paying attention to the moment, this very moment. How is this experience gonna impact you right now? And the next moment, and the next moment. The goal of these two things, when it comes from a sports psychology perspective, is the goal of meditation is to be able to create a smooth mind. A lot of times what happens is, is there's a lot of mental friction that occurs. That, that can come from you talking to yourself negatively. That can t- coming from an ineffective stand. It can come from you feeling fatigued physically. There's a lot of mental friction that occurs. What meditation does is it smooths out your mind. That's the way I view it. It's almost like if you have a wrinkly shirt, the iron that you use, the hot iron that you use to, to, to take out the wrinkles, that's what meditation is. Is it creates a smooth surface that you can then perform effectively. When things are smooth, you can perform much more effectively than when there's a lot of friction and a lot of things in your way. So, the focus of today's episode was understanding the two techniques that I think are most important when it comes to mental training. And again, taking the last episode of understanding doing doing these two techniques deliberately on purpose and doing them consistently. There's a reason why visualization and meditation are so talked about when it comes in, when it, when in sports psychology and neuroscience and in, in, in everything. 
These are the two most common and most effective techniques for a reason. They will improve your performance. Whatever your performance is, if you visualize yourself, close your eyes, see yourself performing the task, envision the environment, see yourself doing it, doing it in real time, and continuously learn and develop as you're visualizing, and then adding meditation to smooth out all the friction in your life, to smooth it all out, either focus on an object or focus on the moment-to-moment -moment experience that you're having. These two techniques will be game changers for your performance. These are techniques that you can be deliberate in and that you can be consistent in. And if you do those two techniques deliberately and consistently, you will see a drastic improvement, not just from a physical way, but from a mental, from a neuroscientific way. You'll be able to see your mind will mold, it will develop, it will grow faster, it will be much more effective. Your thinking will be clear. You'll be much, much more effective of an athlete, a teacher, a student, a parent, whatever, you, whatever it is that your performance is. Using these two techniques and tying that into the consistency and, the, and, the and be doing them deliberately is going to be the best, the best marriage of, of mental training, is if you can do meditation and you can do visualization deliberately and consistently. So I hope this was helpful. I hope you learned something. I know this was a little bit longer of an episode, so I appreciate you listening, and I truly hope that this was helpful. We dived in a little bit deeper uh, than some of our previous episodes, but neuroscience, it's kind of difficult to not really dive in and have to talk a little bit about some research when it comes to it. So again, I hope this was helpful. I hope you learned something. Um, go to our Instagram, uh, Facebook page, Twitter page. We'll have some, I'll have some information about links to this study if you want to read this study. Um, that was done that we talked about with uh, brain cognitive plasticity as well as our Instagram has some pretty cool inf uh, techniques and things that you could do to improve your neuroplasticity uh, using concentration grids and things like that so if you're interested in learning more about that you can obviously contact us uh, you can also reach out to us on there send us a, a, a DM if you would like to receive some individual coaching on some of these things I'd be happy to work with you or if you would like to join one of our online training groups, uh, they pretty much happen every month. We go over three or four mental skills and I give you a workbook that you work through. So if you're interested in joining one of those, you can all, go to Instagram or our website at mentalstrengthperformance.com and look at mental mastery groups uh, or you can contact, uh, contact me if you would like to receive some coaching and training as well for you or your team. Be happy to work with you all. Uh, I love what I do. This is such a fun job, and I love talking about this stuff, and uh, I'm glad we got to nerd out a little bit on some neuroscience. It's kind of my, my favorite thing to nerd out on recently. So uh, I hope this was helpful. Thank you again for being here, and we'll see you in the next episode.